Tonight, the electrician who trained Toto. I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And these are our incredible stories. Hello and welcome back to all of our friends from around the world and across the uh, United States. We're happy to have you here with us. And if you are new, welcome. Join the crowd. We're happy to have you here with us. If you like what you hear, go ahead and hit that like and subscribe button. And guess what? When you do, you'll be treated to new episodes of Richard and Gary's Incredible Stories each and every Friday, free of charge. Now, we're going to be talking about, uh, about something very interesting this evening, something that uh, really does take talent and skill to be able to perfect, uh, especially for the industry that it is used in. Yes. And uh, before we get into our story, we'll go ahead and set the scene. Uh, Hopefully you're sitting back, relaxing with a favorite beverage and perhaps a snack and and, uh, just ready to uh, enjoy something... um, coming on out of your podcast uh, platform. Yes. Well, um, one of our uh, close friends, uh, Gary and I, uh, is Bob Weatherwax. We've uh, done some documentary films about uh, Bob, and we've, I've uh, co-authored a book with him about his uh, life, his memoirs. And so uh, we've stayed close with Bob through the years, and Bob and his dad, Rudd, were the um, original owners and trainers of Lassie, <clears throat> the iconic movie dog, the collie who, you know, I think worldwide most everybody loved back in the day. Uh, Lassie's celebrating 75 years or so, by, uh, around 75 years at this time. So it's, um, it's a, uh, Lassie is a dog that, truly has generation after generation after generation uh, generated lots of love and affection. So Rudd Weatherwax, uh, the original owner and trainer of Lassie, was a Hollywood dog trainer who also trained Asta in the Thin Man movies, if you like those movies from the 1930s, 1940s, and Daisy in the Blondie and Dagwood movies. So... He had some uh, very uh, important dogs in the movies back in the day. And his uh, son, Bob, also uh, grew up to uh, help him train Lassie, both in the TV shows and and some of the later movies. So Bob became uh, an owner and trainer of Lassie as well, along with many other movie dogs. And uh, this was uh, just uh, one talented family. The Weatherwax family was extremely talented when it came to training animals. Oh, yeah. So talented. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, Both Rudd and Bob were mentioned in the World Book as the world's greatest dog trainers. Are you talking about Guinness? Guinness Book of World Records? Uh, World Almanac. Oh, the World Almanac. Yeah, the World Almanac. They were both listed as the greatest dog trainers. Uh, in the world, and so that's quite a, that's quite an honor. 
and uh, and so and that's one that uh, Bob uh, holds uh, dear to his heart today. The fact that uh, they got that mention, and when his father Rudd passed away in 1985, Bob was working on a movie called The Back to the Future, and Bob was working with um, I think the dog's name was Einstein. In, in the movie, his name is Einstein, yeah. but the dog's actual name was um, OJ. Yeah. And so Bob was working the dog in Back to the Future. Steven Spielberg uh, was one of the producers of the movie. and Robert so, Zemeckis <clears throat> was the director. Mm-hmm. And so on the day that uh, Bob's father passed away, Steven Spielberg uh, came over to him and said, um, are you related to Rudd Weatherwax? And Bob said, yes, he was my father. And Steven Spielberg told him, you know, your father was an absolute genius. So that's the kind of compliment that was paid to Bob and Red Weatherwax from Steven Spielberg. Yeah, well, Spielberg is a, mm-hmm. is a movie buff. I mean, even before mm-hmm. he became a director, he was a movie buff. Mm-hmm. So he knew what he was talking about, in other words. Well... That's Rudd and Bob. It turns out the Weatherwax family had somebody else that um, was pretty good at training animals. And that's uh, Rudd's brother, Jack. Jack Weatherwax. And he was Rudd's brother, as I mentioned, and he was Bob's uncle. Now, Jack was the only Weatherwax who trained both dogs and cats. Oh, talk about the hardest thing. Yeah, dogs Rudd, are one Rudd, thing. Cats are Rudd another. Did, cool. uh, dogs only. Uh, Bob did dogs only, but um, Jack did cats. Uh, and the interesting thing of all is, even though uh, he's in a very difficult uh, occupation, uh, training animals was not what he did mainly for a living. Jack was an electrician. For a living? Yeah. But he still trained animals? Yeah, on the side. On the side. Yeah, but... Uh, he must not have been being paid a whole lot of money. <laughs> but he was an electrician. Bob uh, told me that uh, Jack was incredible. He could wire anything. He could wire a house and without, you know, uh, having to look at any plans. or any, he, he was just incredible when it came to all things electrical. Wow. But even though he did not have an extensive resume in uh, movies as Rudd and Bob, nevertheless, he did train two memorable movie animals. And we're going to talk about both of them today, uh, this evening, Gary. Um, Probably his most famous animal was the dog Toto in the 1939 movie Wizard of Oz. Oh, yeah. Starring Judy Garland. Yeah. Jack Weatherwax trained Toto. Uh, mm-hmm. The small little dog riding around in the basket. Yep. The and one that the, uh, I don't remember the name of the uh, the neighbor, but she soon becomes the Wicked Witch of the West when uh, Dorothy gets to the gets to Oz. Yeah. She wants that dog because he keeps getting in her yard. We'll talk about that movie in a little bit. Um, we'll uh, also uh, mention before we start on Wizard of Oz, uh, Jack had a very famous cat, so he didn't appear in B-movies with his cats. Uh, he appeared in a pretty substantial movie called Bell, Book, and Candle, which you're familiar with. Oh, I yeah. mean, that starred James Stewart and Kim Novak, so that right. was a heavy-duty movie. 
And Jack uh, actually trained the cat to look or move in certain directions by hiding tiny little bells with different frequencies behind pieces of furniture on the set. You know, that's how they do it. I watched a thing about cat training, and there's a lot of cat trainers that use not a bell, but like a tone mm-hmm. or a clicker. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyways, um, that's interesting. Let's go ahead and um, bring our viewers up to speed on a little bit about what these uh, movies were about. The Wonderful Wizard of Oz was first a children's book, Gary, written by L. Frank Baum. Mm, yes. And it was published in 1900. Can you imagine? Wizard- 1900? Yeah, the Wonderful Wizard oh. of Oz, 122, 123 years old. Well, it's 2023 yeah. right now, so it's 123 years yes, old. Yes, at least, yeah. at least. Can you imagine? He probably had to write it for a year or so before it was published. So, Oh, sure. That is an old children's book. Old book. And uh, it's a modern fairy tale with a Mm. distinctly American setting. It takes place in the Midwest in the Heartland America. Yep, Kansas. It was enormously popular and actually became a a classic of children's literature. Now, you being in education, uh, is it still considered a classic in children's literature today? I don't think there's a single kid who's read that book so, <laughs> in my school. So. I'm, I'm not going to say that there aren't. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's probably a few who have. They know about Wizard of Oz, but they only know it because of the movie. Okay. And some of them have seen it. I know a lot of kids in my class have seen The Wizard of Oz, but if if you asked which ones read the book, none of them in my building, mm-hmm. which is a little bit sad, I guess, when you think about that. Yeah. But the language is definitely... It's different. It's uh, oh, the yeah, way of speaking. Oh, yeah, 123 speak. years ago. And I yeah. think it'd be a little confusing for some yeah, of them. Yeah, and not as not as enjoyable to read, perhaps. Well, I, I don't know. I think if you understand what they're saying, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So, uh, a- anyways, I think we can agree that uh, it's uh, The Wizard of Oz has become more familiar. The movie has become more familiar than the book. Absolutely. In fact, the, when you tell some kids that there's a book, they're like, oh, there's yeah. a book? And you know, yeah, it was before the movie. So let's go ahead and uh, tell folks a little bit about the movie. I'll start off by telling them about the main character, whose name is Dorothy. Oh. As you mentioned, she lived in Kansas. Oh. She was a young girl, and uh, she lived in a one-room house there with Uncle Henry and Aunt Em, and the joy of her life, her dog, Toto, Toto trained by Jack Weatherwax. There you go. All right, so what happens? A cyclone strikes, I understand. What happens? All right, so let's roll back the clock. I want you to picture that uh, movie theater screen in your mind when the opening scenes of Wizard of the Oz. And Dorothy is wanting something more out of her life. Kansas is just not cutting it anymore. She's not really sure what she wants. She just knows she doesn't want to be on the farm. And she's being harassed by a neighbor who I'm pretty sure she feels is a witch and not in a very nice way. And this woman wants Toto. And so Dorothy uh, at first attempts to run away and runs into this uh, traveling salesman who, you know, 
convinces her that uh, maybe she should give it another thought. And as she's returning home, there's this giant cyclone, and everybody else has made it to the basement. But Dorothy, who's been lagging behind, does not. So she makes it inside of the house, and the house is picked up in a cyclone, and she's knocked unconscious because she should have been in the cellar with everybody else. And um, the house gets plopped down in a mystical universe called Oz. Good grief. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't stop there. No, it does not stop there. In fact, her house lands on the Wicked Witch of the East, the sister of the Wicked Witch of the West. And in doing so, Dorothy frees all of the little tiny munchkins from the control of the Wicked Witch of the East. Munchkins? The munchkins, yes. There's a population of little people that live in Oz called the munchkins. And they're just adorable. Mm -hmm. Absolutely adorable. And uh, fun fact about the movie, uh, the first part of the film is shot in sepia, a black and white technique, but it's not really black and white. It's like black and brown uh, or tan, black and tan. Uh, And so what they did to transition into Oz, which is vibrant color, um, they had to paint the entire inside of the house with brown and tan tones. And they had a body double for Judy Garland who was made up in makeup and a costume that was also brown and tan. And then when the door opens to um, Munchkin Land, then you see the color. And the body double steps out of the way, and Judy Garland walks to the door in her fully colored costume. Mm. So it was a neat little trick. So everybody is thinking that it's going to be a black and white film until she steps through. It's a great transition, a wonderful technique, which today would be done digitally. But back then, they had to do it practically, and they had to be creative about doing it practically. So anyways, uh, after that, she gets the ruby slippers and is encouraged to go down the yellow brick road. And uh, from that point on, she's harassed by the Wicked Witch of the West and encouraged by Glinda the Good Witch until she finally makes it to um, the city of Oz and uh, is harassed by this giant-headed uh, wizard who is demanding certain things. Not very, not very friendly, you know. Mm-hmm. Everything else seems friendly other than the witch, and uh, she's not so friendly, and the, the wizard's most certainly not either. Doesn't she meet some fellow travelers? She does. Uh, along the way, uh, she meets the Tin Man, she meets the Scarecrow, and she meets the Cowardly Lion, and um it's now, in- the scarecrow wants he wishes he had brain he wishes he has brain which is interesting because for him to be able to speak and move he had to have a brain mm-hmm. but he was unaware that he did, did which was interesting and then the tin man mm-hmm. well he is made out of tin wanted a heart yeah so that he could feel but he was already having emotions before he had a heart and the cowardly lion was just cowardly. He wanted but courage. He had to find his courage mm-hmm. to be able to, you know, help 
help his friends. So he had to look deep inside of himself. Um, so, and then everything comes to a head when uh, she, the, the wicked witch, sends out the flying monkeys. Winged monkeys. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what. For a movie made in the 30s, those monkeys to this very day are straight up creepy <laughs> and unnerving. Uh-huh. I think it's fantastic makeup, fantastic costumes, and will haunt your nightmares for years to come. Uh, but just a testament, again, to the magic of Hollywood, especially back in the golden days of Hollywood. Um, but everything uh, concludes with Dorothy throwing some water on the witch. And, of course, uh, more than just her makeup runs, she begins to melt into the ground. And uh, Dorothy goes back to the wizard, who's still not being very friendly. And then Toto has had it up to here with this man yelling at his uh, owner and decides to pull back the curtain, revealing the traveling salesman who apparently floated there in a balloon and um, is using this uh, charade to um, intimidate people when actually he is very scared and unsure of what he's really supposed to be doing. So how does this uh, come to a happy ending? Oh, well, it turns out that uh, if people had let her know a little sooner, all she had to do was click her heels three times and she would have gone home. And, of course, the uh, Tin Man got his heart. And the uh, Scarecrow got his diploma. And uh, the Cowardly Lion got a badge of honor. And to me, what I find to be the most interesting um, is that uh, the Scarecrow receives a diploma which he didn't have to work for. He spent no money going to university or college. He never went to high school or elementary school. But the moment he got that diploma, he was able to do algebra. <laughs> I want to know how he did that. How he did that. <laughs> because clearly something was ticking around up there before he got it. Algebra? And, and if this said magical diploma exists... <laughs> I want to know where I can get one. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's not like I, I didn't go through college. Still, I'm still uh, taking different classes right now. But wouldn't it be nice if some nice stranger just handed you a diploma, an honorary diploma, and all of a sudden you were an automatic genius? I think that would be phenomenal. So it's either one or two things. Either he forgot he was a genius or that piece of paper is magic. Happy ending for all. And Toto is seen throughout the movie, scene after scene That's after right. scene, trained by Jack Weatherwax, whose main occupation was as an electrician coming to That's your house right. and making electrical things work. That's right. Now, can I point out one thing before we uh, transition sure. over there? Sure. There's one person who didn't get anything out of this, and that was Toto. What did Toto get? Yeah, we don't even see him getting the biscuit. He didn't get anything. That little dog went through trauma being chased by flying monkeys and put his own life on the line. Creepy. Creepy monkeys, yes, and a witch. And he put his life on the line to pull back that curtain to reveal who the real wizard was. Mm -hmm. And what did he get for it? 
Just a ride home with Dorothy. That's it. No, he didn't get a darn thing. <laughs> he did get his hair groomed. Uh-huh. I guess if you want to count that as a positive. Oh, uh, But that was about it. You know, a few brush strokes with a, a brush, and that was it for him. Anyway, but yes, uh, magnificently trained by Jack Weatherwax. Jack Weatherwax. Yes. And uh, that's uh, Toto the dog. And before we end our uh, podcast this evening about Jack, the electrician who trained animals for, for Hollywood, uh, we'll talk about his famous cat. And his famous cat appears in a uh, um, 1958 fantasy romantic comedy film called Bell, Book, and Candle. Now, uh, eight years prior to that, it was a Broadway play by John Van Druten. The movie in 1958 stars Kim Novak. She's a witch who casts a spell on her neighbor, who is played by James Stewart. Um, and this, by the way, is considered Stewart's final role as a romantic lead. So very really? important movie, very important movie. Kim Novak, James Stewart, his, uh, James Stewart's last romantic lead in Hollywood. And it takes place in an African art store in Greenwich Village, a place that I'm quite familiar with from my high school days. What, what happens in Bell, Book, and Candle, and who is the cat that Jack Weatherwax trained? Well, the cat's name is Pie Wacket. Pie Wacket. What a name for a cat. Well, he's uh, a familiar to Kim Novak. Ooh, we better explain familiar. Oh, let me explain. Some of you are probably thinking, like, what does that mean? Yeah. Is he familiar with her? Mm -mm. Uh, Kim Novak's character is a witch. And a familiar is um, a witch's helper. It is uh, a, an entity that takes the form of a rat, a cat, a spider, a mouse, any kind of animal you can think of. And it does the witch's bidding for them. Yeah, it's a kind of a go-between between, a go -between. The, the devil and the witch. Uh-huh, or like a helper. Yeah. Um, so uh, Pie Wacket then was a familiar. Yes. And so anyways, um, Kim Novak's character has a huge crush on uh, James Stewart's character. And so she casts a spell to make him fall in love with her. Um then she actually falls in love with him and she begins to cry and witches don't cry. Mm -hmm. They do not. Um, and so in doing so, she is no longer a witch. She is a human. And um, the question is, will he still love her with no spell cast on him? Or will they fall madly in love when he realizes that Kim Novak is the woman of his dream? And the person who's orchestrating the whole mess, Pie Wacket. Yeah, that's right. The cat. The cat has an incredibly large role in this story. And by the way, Gary, it takes place during uh, my favorite time of the year around Christmas season. It starts off on Christmas Eve, as a matter of fact. And so that cat has a major role to play in this story. Yeah, I feel like the uh, description for, uh, was it uh, Bell Book and Candle? was a lot shorter than The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, now Pie Wacket's name, by the way, came from a testimony given in the 1600s, a 1600s witch trial in England um, that referred to a, a witch's familiar. So that actually has a little historical significance. Oh, yes. 
And uh, by the way, uh, Bell Book and Candle was considered a blockbuster by Columbia Pictures. Really? Uh huh. In fact, Kim Novak appeared with Pie Wackett on the uh, November 24th cover of Life magazine. Really? Yeah. So Pie Wackett uh, made it on the cover of Life. And back in that, in those days, being on the cover of Life was just as important as being on the cover of Time magazine. That was quite an honor. Now, here's a question for you. Um, what other movie did Kim Novak star in with James Stewart? Hmm, I'm not sure. <gasps> oh, blasphemy. Oh, and Alfred Hitchcock. Yes. Uh, North by Northwest? No. Oh. <laughs> you might as well just walk away from your microphone now. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Vertigo. Oh, Vertigo, yes. She oh, was his man. love interest in Vertigo. In fact, North by Northwest, that, was, uh, that wasn't that was even James Stewart. That was uh, Rock Hudson, wasn't it? Not Rock Hudson. Um, Farley Granger? No, 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 no. Um, and there's somebody yelling at the at their computer or their phone right now. Mm -hmm. No. Um, what's his name? Uh, we just watched him recently. He's been in a lot of average cock films. All right. I'll, I'll think of it. Uh, anyways, um, no, it was um, Vertigo. Uh, Kim Novak was the character that Jim Stewart falls in love with, and she supposedly dies in an accident falling off the bell tower. He meets a woman who looks like the woman he fell in love with, and it turns out it is Kim Novak. She faked her death. And at the end of the film, mm -hmm. she dies again. Yeah. And believe it or not, uh, Kim Novak is still alive. Yes, she is. Uh, James Stewart has passed away. Yes, yes, yes. Um, she was born in 1933. We can uh, wrap up our um, conversation about Bell, Book, and Candle by looking a little more closely at that title. It refers to a, a Latin Christian method of excommunication. Uh, and it uh, was imposed on a person who had committed an exceptionally grievous sin. It was introduced by Pope Zachary around the middle of the 8th century, and the rite was once used by the Roman Catholic Church. Oh. Bell, book, and candle. That's right. Shakespeare picked up the phrase in King John in Act 3. Um, Philip says, Bell, book, and candle shall not drive me back when gold and silver becks me to come on. Wow. And then... Fast forward to 1964, a great film that I enjoyed uh, with uh, Richard Burton playing Thomas Beckett. The, the film was Beckett. Uh, the ceremony was actually performed in that movie in which um, he excommunicates Lord Gilbert. So uh, check out the 1964 film Beckett if you want to see how the ceremony is actually or was actually performed. Yes, and I just remember the name of the uh, gentleman star from uh, North by Northwest. Okay. Cary Grant. Oh, yeah, Cary Grant. Grant. He was big. Yes, big. and both of us forgot his name. Now, John Lennon, 1974, had lyrics, No Bell Booker Candle Can Get You Out of This. John Lennon of the Beatles. Oh, wow. Mm hmm and uh, then uh, back in 1985, an important year that uh, for you, um, there was a computer role-playing game, Ultima Four: Quest of the Avatar. The stranger must find the Bell of Courage, the Book of Truth, and the Candle of Love in order to enter the abyss, the final dungeon of the game. Bell, book, and, and candle. candle. <laughs> so hats off to uh, both um, 
Toto in The Wizard of Oz and Pie Wacket in Bell, Book, and Candle, both of those Hollywood iconic animals trained by the electrician who may have worked on somebody's house with wiring or faulty appliances, Jack Weatherwack. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) What an interesting story. (laughs) Hopefully you were entertained by our retelling of some of these movies. check the movies out. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. They're still entertaining to this day. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But until next time. I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And this was an incredible story. (laughs) 